eight. But in your own spare time, I encourage you to read this, uh, the entirety of the story of Lazarus. The story of Lazarus, the brother of Martha and Mary, was ill. And Mary sends word to Jesus about Lazarus. But Jesus stays two more days in his location. Then Jesus decides to head to Judea to see Lazarus, who has already died. When he arrives, he finds that Lazarus has been dead for four days. And Martha, upon meeting Jesus, lets him know how disappointed she is that, she, that he did not come sooner. Lord, she says, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. And Jesus reassures Martha that Lazarus will rise again. And Martha goes back to tell Mary, and Mary goes quickly to Jesus and kneels at his feet and says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus sees her weeping. And the other people who came to mourn with Mary and Martha were also weeping. And Jesus' spirit was greatly disturbed and moved. And he asked, where have you laid him? And Jesus began to weep. Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. And it was a cave and a stone was lying against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead for four days. And Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if I believed, that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone and Jesus looked upward and said, Father, thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed him. The word of God for the people of God. Sometimes it is so difficult to follow an order Ordering food through takeout, right? We maybe some of us are used to this right now, only to find that when we get home, it's the wrong food order. They forgot the mustard or they gave you the wrong sandwich. And you think, why can't they just follow an order? I remember as a kid, even perhaps maybe as an adult, that my mom would tell me to do something, clean your room, practice piano, finish your homework. And it would be so difficult for me to just follow that order. 
and I would procrastinate and cut corners, it would inevitably take longer and I wasted more time than I needed to. And my mom would say to me, why can't you just follow an order, Holly? Why do you make it more difficult on yourself? Even today, as we are quarantined in our home, exercising, social distancing, and we see people still gathering in groups or companies not following guidelines, and we scream at our television, why can't you just follow directions? We know that if we were to just follow directions, if they were to just obey an order, life would be better. Why can't we just follow directions? Why can't we just obey? Why don't we listen? There is so much in our story about the raising of Lazarus. There is so much to unpack, and it's such an awesome story that I'm actually going to offer some Zoom Bible studies this week. This story is a sign, the last sign that Jesus does, and it is the impetus of Jesus' arrest. This story foreshadows Jesus' own death and resurrection. This story displays the feelings of anger and sadness that we feel around death and that death is part of the human condition. And if I were to unpack all of these themes in a sermon, all of you would log off, except for you probably, Frank Bedell, because my sermons would last 45 minutes. And I want to be mindful of everyone's attention spans in this new online format. So I want us to focus our time on this theme in the story of Lazarus listening to Jesus's voice. And what happens when we listen to Jesus's voice? In verse 43 of this story, Jesus cries with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus is resuscitated back to life. Lazarus listens and obeys Jesus' command to come out of the tomb. And in the next chapter, which we don't read, we see that Lazarus is living into this abundant relationship with Jesus as he lounges with Jesus and shares in the Passover meal. He is living into the abundant life that is promised and the life that Jesus will talk about in a few chapters in his farewell discourse. It is the abundant life that we too can receive when we listen to Jesus's voice, when he calls our name, when he gives us direction as he did with Lazarus. Lazarus, come out. Just as Jesus said to the invalid at the pool in John chapter five, pick up your mat and walk. And just as he told the blind man in John chapter nine, go and wash. And he sees. 
Come out of that tomb, move away from death, be resuscitated into a new life with Jesus. Now this seems so obvious. Of course, we would obey Jesus. Who wouldn't want to be fully alive? And you would think that healing people and bringing people back to life would make everyone happy. But that is not what happens. Instead, the resurrection of Lazarus is the impetus to put Jesus to death. And why? Why would that be? I think because it undermines the very human powers and systems that have been created. It challenges the status quo. It means that there's an entirely new set of rules that people live by. It means that these new sets of rules give sight to the blind and set the captives free and give life to the dead. Because the power of God overcomes systems in order to bring rightness changes everything that we know and understand about ourselves and about the world. And I don't think we're any different today. We see glimpses of justice and we wanna tear it down because it undermines our system of power. And we aren't willing to let these systems go. They are ingrained in us. It is part of the fabric of our society. It is institutionalized within us. And in some cases, it is because these systems benefit us. Whether you are the president of a large corporation that enjoys certain tax breaks or government bailout money, or you are the average person who just likes to buy the cheapest option and you don't care where or how it was made or its impact on the environment. In other cases, we don't even see or notice these systems any longer. Gender roles or classism or ageism or colonialism or racism. But these systems are at work. It is why the president wants everyone to get back to work in the middle of this pandemic. A decision that if implemented too soon will kill millions of people. A decision that values the economy and money over the value of life. And these systems are strong. It is why there will be really awful sermons this morning that interpret this scripture as Jesus calling us out of the tombs of our homes to get back to life as we know it, embracing once again our systems of human consumption and America's civil religion of capitalism. We can't imagine that anything else will work. And we lose sight and we are unable to see that the values we hold are not always the same values of God. That the realm of our earthly world 
is vastly different than the realm of God. I've been doing a lot of thinking this week about a couple of phrases that we Christians like to use in a time of struggle. The first is God is testing me. And the second is like my faith is being tested, right? We, we hear this a lot. We maybe even use this, like God is testing me or my faith is being tested. And it occurred to me that a lot of our systems are being tested. The strength of our economy is being tested. Our healthcare system is being tested. Our morality is being tested. This great American experiment known as the United States, as it is often referred, is being tested. And I guess it would be easy to include in our list our faith, that our faith is being tested. But I realize that it is our faith that will get us through this. It is our faith that reminds us that God is with us. It is our faith that allows us to recall the prophecy of Ezekiel, that valley of dry bones, that God will breathe the breath of life into us and renew our spirits, and we will dance again, and we will dance with a large group of people. It is our faith that uncovers the ways of Jesus. It is our faith that teaches us how to treat each other, to welcome the stranger, to loosen the chains of injustice, to love our neighbor, to forgive 70 times 70, to act justly and love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. It is our faith that is the tool that will not only get us through this, but has the impetus to create God's beloved community here on earth. It is indeed difficult to follow an order, to stay inside, to live by faith, and not by our own human systems. At the wedding of Cana, when the wine had run out, Jesus's mom, Mary, said to the servants, do whatever Jesus tells you. Mary knew the power of Jesus. She knew that listening and obeying whatever Jesus asked would lead to abundant life. To the homebound, Jesus said, pick up your mat. To the blind man, go and wash to Lazarus, come out. To us, stay inside and practice physical distancing. May we listen to the voice of the shepherd that leads us to abundance. Amen.